Shabbat Shalom. You know, being a parent, uh, I've learned very clearly something that we've all known, that transitions are difficult. So I just want to acknowledge we're in a transitional moment. Take care of yourself. You might feel frazzled. Uh, where are my things? Where is my... In the words of the immortal pixies, where is my mind? It's a good, it's a good practice instruction. Where are you? Because Baal Shem Tov says, wherever your thoughts are, there you are. So... Are you feeling split? Like, I always feel torn when there's like another thing going on, right? The FOMO thing, fear of missing out, should I be there? At least there are only two options within this building that I'm aware of, right? Also living, I am so blessed to live somewhere very quiet. I grew up in Manhattan, so I, I chose Ulster County, um, but even on the, in the, on the way here, realizing how much energy we use just to focus our listening, how much we actually need to tune out. It's called selective inattention. If you didn't have this, the tag on your clothing or the rumble in your stomach or the sounds would really drive you mad, and it makes it really hard to concentrate. So we have this thing called selective inattention, where um, we have the executive function to... I'm getting a lot of ring. Thanks. Use that. Okay. Sorry. How's the, is this better? It is? Okay. It, it's not better. I'm okay. How's this? <laughs> ah. <sighs> we don't have ear lids. We don't have ear lids. We begin hearing. It's one of actually our first senses to come online as embryos. We can't see, it's quite dark. We're surrounded in fluids, so we're kind of in this warm bath without much um, kinesthetic input. We're getting fed through our bellies directly from our mothers, but we begin to hear the world. Perhaps the first drum is the mother's heart. And we're in this bath of reverberation that begins before we even know that we're a separate being. And I believe that capacity for hearing continues even once we cut the cord. That our, our ears are intentionally not things that we can really... Um, we have no lids. We have no... real control over the way sound affects us. We can have some navigation. We learn how to focus, learn how to bring our attention, to listen to what really is essential. I often am um, sharing Torah on Shabbat mornings in an assisted living facility. That's where my community is housed. And one of our members, she's in her 80s, I'm not sure how old Mary is. She said it so clearly, she said, I have hearing aids, but I need listening aids. And that's what we are for each other. Because sometimes we show up and we're really uh, available and responsive and present. 
And then we show up because we need precisely those people who can be present, available, and responsive. So Parsha Truma is like the second, or the last third of, of Sefer Shmot, of the book of Exodus. The next five weeks are almost entirely devoted to the works of the Mishkan, of the, of the sanctuary. And for some people, this like is a real uh, a turnoff in a certain way because we've been so immersed in sacred story and narrative and the drama, the interpersonal drama, all the way from creation through the Exodus story. And now we get into sacred architecture, which um, can feel very left-brained and detail-oriented and even repetitive. These are some of my favorite parshiot. It, it might be because one of them is my birth parsha, um, and I like this time of year, um, or because I'm a designer and an artist, and I love the concept of sacred space and a place for community to gather. You know when we sing, that's right here in this week's parsha. Build me a place so I can dwell, dwell amongst you were it not for structures like this one and communal organizational structures like Romamu or other prayer communities, we wouldn't have a place to gather which is essential to our human attunement. Our ability to listen and to be heard requires other people, requires being known in an eda, a community, a place of witness like an aid, like when you sign a ketubah or a contract of any sort and it says aid, witness, someone who's like witnessing you, an eda is a place of witness. And in any community needs, needs a place to gather. So the Mishkan is all about dwelling together, coming together in a place to gather. So we're going to have three aliyot today, three callings up. Uh, and I don't call you, you feel, if you feel called by a theme that I, I remark on, um, it's, your turn, it's your turn to come up. Um, you can come up once, twice, or three times just to be close to Torah or close to other community members. The place of the altar was a place of, of korbanot, of sacrifices or offerings, but the root is really karov, to come close. All of our practices are about coming closer. Deepening our intimacy. So uh, this is Nadav Lev's Parsha. Our guitar, our guitar player, his name basically comes from this parsha. We're not going to be reading this verse, but um, all of the contributions of the Mishkan, everything that it required, the physical um, materials were, were given by, do, by donation from the gold to the silver to the bronze to the crim blue and the crimson and the red threads, the, the leather, the wood. All of it was donated. Asher Yidvenolibo from a person whose heart was moved. So um, the material of the 
vessel and the container for community is generosity. Diane gave a beautiful Dvartor last night about the challenge of two, right? How hard it can be in a relationship, how hard it is to, to have a second, to have another, to either be number two or have to think about someone else. But one of my teachers, the artist scientist Buckminster Fuller, said, said it in a really cool way. He said, unity is plural and at minimum two that we don't actually even have the possibility of yichud, of unity, of coming together, of oneness, without this idea of two-ness. It's a kind of non-dual riddle that he formulated in, in a geometric proof, but the two points to the one, and the one points to relationship. And so generosity is the fuel for that, is, uh, is, the, is, um, is a required ingredient um, so often we walk around this world with such impoverished voices, talking about ourselves, talking down and beating ourselves up, the voices of shame, of guilt, basically anything that is not generous toward ourselves. Sometimes it's much easier to say they're doing their best and then heap all sorts of punishment, even subtle psychic ones, on ourselves. Uh, for others, it may be easier to do the like loving kindness practices, but it's other people. It's like, I love humanity. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> you know, it's it's the the generosity challenge is in opening up to another, either because of you know valid trauma, safety, fear. So I really do think this practice begins with our own loving kindness practice and the possibility for our hearts to be moved for our hearts to be open. And this is where it goes back for me to hearing because my experience of sound and my, the actual mechanics of it and the metaphysics of it is that the ears are flowers rooted in the heart. We, we have mechanisms, just like the brain processes and the ear has the, has the uh, sensory organs of perception, but the, the meaning and the touching, the interface with who we are, our, our souls, our nashamas, is in the heart. And so a generous heart is not a pump. It's not a machine. We have like all of these hangovers from the Industrial Revolution that teaches us that the world is very mechanical and it can be analyzed into parts. And the heart, yes, it has some sort of pumping action, yes. But it's actually a place where the blood spins. The, the heart is a centrifuge. So is, that, so is that motor that just whizzed right outside, right? It, it allows us to be in the dance of relationship, to know how much blood needs to go where in the body, when to conserve, when to expand, when to receive, when to give. And it's also, it's not a single object. Yes, we each have one in our chests that are beating and keeping us alive in this moment together. And it is an electric field that is constantly in relationship with all the other hearts around it. We are breathing 
the same air, but we're also beating in the same heart, quite literally. It can be measured by our current scientific devices 20 or 30 feet out. So all the people in a 30-foot radius are sitting within, inside your heart. And there are some of us who are more perceptive who say that it's just constrained by how big the room you're in is. Or maybe it's even bigger than that. So today, the gift of Torah is the reminder that we're here to build sacred space from the generosity of our living hearts. If you need, uh, uh, if you just want to be close to the heart of the Torah in that way, I'm about to call you up. <laughs> um, but I first want to tell you that we're going to be reading from chapter 26, verse 31 on page 495. So, for anyone whose heart is moved in a sense of generosity to come close to Torah today, please come up for the first aliyah. 